Hello, hello. I'm Dr. Felicia Mebbin, Executive Director of the Center for Public Health Initiatives at Norfolk State University, and this is Health Healing in Hampton Roads. And I am so excited to have as my guest today, Ms. Capri Hannon. How did I do? Excellent. Hannah. Thank you, Dr. Mevin. (laughs) I'm used to calling her Capri, so there you go. (laughs) Sometimes you have to practice those last names. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So Capri, if Mm -hmm. I may call you Capri. Yes, ma'am. Tell us about your connection to Hampton Roads. Like, What brought you to Hampton Roads? Absolutely. So I am originally from Jacksonville, Florida, and my sister and her family are stationed here. They live in Chesapeake, but her husband is stationed in Norfolk. And then my dad, his last duty station was at Oceana in Virginia Beach. So I would visit a lot and I only knew, you know, just the surface level kind of, I guess, intricacies of Hampton Roads. I didn't know like what I know now being here. Mm -hmm. So that's my initial connection to Hampton Roads is through them. Mm -hmm. So do you consider yourself... I hate to say brat, but that's the name people use, a military brat, Mm -hmm. or were you more stable in terms of where you lived? I was more stable in terms of where I lived, Mm -hmm. so my dad was moving around more, and my mom and I were in Jacksonville, so. Okay. Yep, for 18 years, did my thing in Jacksonville before I went off to college, so yes, ma'am. Nice. So Mm -hmm. tell us about college. What what kind of training do you have? So college. Ugh. Um, (laughs) So uh, it's for a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I attended the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Okay. Roll Tide, and uh, <laughs> and I got my bachelor's of science in biology, and then I took a break, and then I went to Liberty University where I got my master's of public health. Nice. And, yeah. So you have an MPH specifically? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Nice. Mm-hmm. So why that? Why an MPH? Well, so when I initially started at Liberty, I was majoring in human services counseling and my concentration was in health and wellness. And I was so invested in the idea of there's this specific issue, but there's so many factors that contribute to that issue. That was just like, so like intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. And so then I started looking at the public health program and I realized that my concentration classes were very similar to the public health classes. So I just ended up switching my major over. And then I, my, my concentration in public health is global health. Okay. So I know what's happening here. I don't know everything that's happening in America, but I do know what's happening here. Obesity, things like that. What we're uh, facing now, opioid crisis. I know that, but globally, I don't really know. So it was very interesting to, to, you know, learn more about what's happening in Africa, what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening in Asia, like just really learning more about the culture there mm-hmm. in those areas. Um, it was it was fascinating to me. And then I do have an issue with vulnerable populations. Why doesn't everybody have access? That bothers me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Growing up, my mom always told me and that's a part of my training. My mom always told me to be kind um, and just help. And so that that just is it's embedded in me to do that. Um, so I love public health. That's awesome. So a few things I picked up on. First of all, for folks who are listening who may not have quite decided what they want to do, or maybe they're at a point in their lives where they want to make a pivot. Again, it's not always a straight line. Mm-hmm. You learn information about different opportunities. You take advantage of those. Yes, and then ma'am. sometimes that that's what gets you to what you're passionate about, which yes, is ma'am. really cool. Because mm-hmm. you probably didn't think you were going to do public health, but, if, but you found it. I did. And actually, um, when I was doing biology at UA, I was on the pre-med track. Mm-hmm. I was so burned out, Dr. Mebbin, from learning everything. And I was just like, I don't feel like I'm invested in cell biology. Right, I don't right, feel right, like right. I'm invested in like <laughs> animals and plant biology. Um, I love genetics. That was like one of my favorite courses. Uh, but 
I just wasn't really invested in that. And then when I, again, started learning more about public health, I was just like, this is what I want to do. This is how I connect with people. Mm-hmm. This is, I feel like that was my calling. Mm-hmm. So. Which is, again, a great way to approach it. Mm-hmm. So I always advise uh prospective students or people who are thinking about what to do with Mm -hmm. their careers and everything think about what you're good at what you're passionate about what you're interested in and then find the career that would let you do that because you're more likely to thrive and enjoy it Mm -hmm. if there's a good match between those absolutely that's great and then also so global is one of the important sort of foundations of public health especially now Mm -hmm. And I remember I was at UNC Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels. There you go. Because <laughs> you're supposed to say that, you ladies and gentlemen. Yes, so, ma'am. you know. <laughs> yes, ma'am. So I remember I was there when the school changed its name to the Gilling School of Global Public Health. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a lot of discussion and debate because the school of public health there has been had been there for, you know, 70 years, a long time. And it had a very strong focus on the state of North Carolina because UNC is a public school. Mm-hmm. And so the school, the School of Public Health worked closely with the health departments and the counties in North Carolina. And there was some concern that, okay, well, if you make it global, people think international. You're going to take the focus away from the local. And we really had to make an intentional campaign and assurances that, no, 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 we're all part of the globe Mm -hmm. because everything's interconnected now, not just the air we breathe, the water, but also politics, the way people travel, the Mm -hmm. way people live. And so we think about global as starting with the local Mm -hmm. and then working out to the international and back around. Absolutely. So, you know, we also know, for example, that there are neighborhoods in the state of Virginia and Hampton Roads that Mm -hmm. have some of the same challenges as developing countries, for example. Absolutely. So some people might assume, because we're here in the United States, Mm -hmm. that we don't, but we do. We Mm -hmm. have some of the same challenges for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. So Part of the global focus really is to think about how can we lessons learned from every everybody, mm-hmm. um, and then in particular just a, from a human sort of rights perspective, say where's the most need wherever it is on the globe. That's Absolutely. where we should be putting some of our focus. Yes, ma'am. So I love that. Thank you. <laughs> it was very exciting because he had a big donation for that, which again gave some incentive to make a little bit of a shift that might mm. not have happened. So right. it was there was a really great opportunity, I think. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, that was about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So now there's much more of a global focus everywhere in terms of public health. So. And I love that because that idea has, that's a thought process that I've had. Like, how do I build myself up in my career, take what I've learned here and apply that elsewhere? I mean, I know the cultures are different, obviously, elsewhere. Right. But like you said, Again, we could have, we have, you know, STIs here, but then there are STIs elsewhere. So right. how can we really uh, maybe, we, we're we so advanced here, you know, as opposed to developing countries. So how can we take some of what we learned here and apply mm-hmm. that elsewhere? Again, so, But, but yeah, not for everything, right? Because mm-hmm. infant mortality rates in some of our communities are the same as in some developing countries that, countries that don't have the same resources. Right. You know what I mean? So we have to, that's part of health equity mm-hmm. and thinking about that is, not everybody has the same experience, even in this resource-rich country. Yes, ma'am. And that's why we have people like you who mm-hmm. focus on public health. Yes. <laughs> because we have to tackle those things. So that is super exciting. Mm-hmm. So tell me now about 
what you're doing now. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Let's back up a little bit. So we've graduated from college. Mm -hmm. So what did you do right out of your um, NPH program or what were you doing? So while I was in school, I was actually engaging with military families. uh, And yeah, and that was interesting because I learned so much more about the military. Again, like I just knew surface level. I just knew what I saw from my brother and my dad. But just understanding that I'm thinking that the military, they have access because they do have great benefits, but they really don't, especially if you're lower enlisted or you're just getting in, you're not making as much money. So for them, it was a struggle to be able to provide um, diapers, formulas, things like that, and get those things for their children. They couldn't do that. And so how do how does someone like me ensure that they have the resources that they need? So that was kind of what I was doing um, in connection to public health before I actually graduated. Um, so, yeah, that's what I was doing. Um, and then I did that for a little bit um, right after I graduated from college. But at the same time. Um, so actually, let me if you don't mind. Let me yes, so what was the role mm-hmm. you were hired as a what to do what you were just saying? So I was a lead teacher and I was working for um, CYP child and youth programs on a military base at Little Creek so and my role was to engage with those families okay and again get them the resources that they need Um, so my child is going through this how how can you help me as far as their development like how can I develop a curriculum to help them get through that Um, and it was just it was fun it was interesting I love seeing kids grow Um, Mm -hmm. that's my other passion is just kids I love them Um, and yeah so that's Mm -hmm. that's what I was doing okay yes ma'am Great. And so then what did you do after that? Yes. So while I was at Liberty, of course, um, when you go through a public health program, um, you have to do a practicum. So my practicum was at Hampton Road Sanitation District, HRSD. And what I was doing was I was actually engaging with the boating community. Never in a million years, Dr. Mebbin, would I have thought that I would have been engaging with the boating community there you go. of Hampton That's Rose. Right. <laughs> okay. And so while I was there, what my role was to, was to go out and provide education to the boating community about waste oh, and, okay. and how to practice better waste management skills. Got it. So I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the Chesapeake Bay is heavily polluted. And one of the sources of, of the pollution is, you know, boaters or boat owners dumping waste out into the waterways. Um, and if you go out to any of the marinas, the water is just, oh, my God, it's oh, wow. bad. Yeah. Okay. So, um As an intern there, how do we talk to the boat owners and say, hey, um, you know, instead of always using the bathroom on your boat, why don't you go and use the bathroom at the marina, inside the marina? Um, And then also there's pump out stations in Hampton Roads that you can go up to, um, dock at and extract that waste out of your holding tank so you won't dump it into, you know, further pollute the the waterways. Mm -hmm. And then also any type of trash that you have, throw it in the trash at the the marina. Um, So just teaching those teaching them those skills and getting them that education so that they can practice better waste management skills all together. And it was, it was popular. It worked. We had people calling us every week. Hey, um, can we get pump out services? Because we also provided manual pump, pump out services as well. Can we get pump out services? And they would just pass the word along. So it was, it was fun. I learned so much about marinas and again, the boating community out in Hampton Roads. It was fun. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's always the things that for me that I feel like I would never be interested in or that I don't know much about that always excites me the most. Mm-hmm. So it, that was fun for me. Yeah, that's fascinating because mm-hmm. you also learn something about communication. Mm -hmm. and what incentivizes people to do things, Mm -hmm. which is part of health promotion, right, specifically within public health. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Let me think about that. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a focus here in Hampton Roads um, 
at uh, ODU, for example, mm-hmm. in environmental health, yes. and that's and as a that's a re- environmental sciences and environmental mm-hmm. health is a discipline or field that people can focus on mm-hmm. in public health. Right. But everything is so interconnected. Mm-hmm. So, so as you experience it, does, even if you don't have that focus, it may be something that you know draws your attention or your activities because it's connected to something else, right? Yes, so. ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was it. Was again, it was exciting for me because, like you said, I was never looking at environmental public health, I was more so looking at infectious diseases at the time. That's what I was really interested in. But then when I did that, I was just like, hmm, maybe I need to change my mindset. (laughs) But then I know as we talk more, then it's like pushing that out the way and then, you know, focusing more on community engagement. Yes, ma'am. That's right. That's right. But it's but it's fascinating. It's great experience in public health because I always say to people, you know, these issues are complex. Mm -hmm. So if we want our waterways to be clean, that influences that's good for us for aesthetically to mm-hmm. enjoy an experience, but it's also good for our health, right? Yes. We want all of the water that is circulating throughout all of our environment to be as healthy as possible because that influences our health. And that means that almost, you know, if I'm interested, if I am interested in obesity, for example, there's mm-hmm. probably some environmental factor that's related to it. Yes. So whenever you can get some understanding of the other issues that are not the main focus you have, it's always good mm-hmm. because these issues, again, these issues are so complex. We need people who have a broad perspective sometimes. Right. Absolutely. And we live out in this area. So I live out in Virginia Beach. I work in Norfolk, but I live in Virginia Beach. If the waterways are so polluted and Virginia Beach is known for Virginia Beach and known for seafood and everything like that right if it's polluted then so many people will lose their jobs that's right that's right the the tourism here will go down so just even learning about that it was just like mind-blowing so I yeah that's just why I enjoy it so much because I'm like wait what this would happen this would happen that would happen oh my gosh right right right, right. it's all interconnected Mm -hmm. that is awesome so what did you do after that so um after I finished my practicum at HRSD and then I graduated from Liberty um, I was continuing to work on the military base doing CYP and then I got a job at EVMS and I've been at EVMS for over two years now and I started actually working in the department of pediatrics so um, can I talk about my project a little bit? Absolutely. Okay. okay. Um, so the project that I was working on before um, I ended up in the Brock Institute, um, it focused on COVID-19 hesitancy among uh, residents that live in public housing. So hesitancy towards the vaccines, hesitancy towards testing, hesitancy towards public health guidance. Um, and just talking to those residents because I facilitated focus groups, I sent out surveys, um, and I just got to build that rapport with them and that trust. And talking to them was so humbling, mm-hmm. right? And I, when I do what I do, I don't talk to people as if they have a problem. I really just try to talk to people as if you know they're people mm-hmm. and get to know them. Mm-hmm. And that's just what's so fun about community engagement. But it was it was so humbling because you you never think about simple things like I can just go home and nobody's watching how much I'm making or you know I'm scared that my neighbors are going to tell on me and I'm going to get kicked out of where I'm living at Um, and you just it was so much self-reflection that I had to do Um, and I I just enjoyed working with those residents so much it taught me so much in addition to why they were hesitant and which we know like you know as a person of color why are you hesitant to get a vaccine right you know yep. and they're just going back into you know well look at the tuskegee experiment lack of trust, mm-hmm. lack of trust. Mm-hmm. you know the government never does right by us mm-hmm. so it was just those structural barriers that access um and i can go on and on and on but it, it was 
Yeah, it was interesting. So that's what I was, that was my first project that I was working on. And then also another project that I was helping out with was um, smoke-free housing. So just understanding the residents, their attitudes towards uh, smoking policies within their communities in public housing. Okay. So that was interesting too, because why don't we have, you know, an area to smoke at? And, you know, people are smoking in here and nobody's coming out to, you know, clean the air. And it's just the quality of life is decreasing as they're staying where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just, I mean, really just fascinating information that I was getting and again that's the intersection of housing Mm -hmm. which is another social determinant of health right all of these things connected together Mm -hmm. so what was something that you learned from those projects that you didn't know before Ooh, um that's an excellent question Dr. (laughs) Mevin I do my best um (laughs) that there is a strong disconnect between the public health public housing staff and the residents Hmm. And that is also what's contributing to their mistrust in getting the vaccine and and getting testing and and taking that public health guidance. Um, The staff was saying one thing, oh, we're doing all this, we're providing all this, but they really weren't. You know, there was just the staff, they were not doing what they were supposed to do. And it made it really hard for the residents to be able to take care of themselves as well. Right. And to me, that was just devastating to hear. Um, Just they needed you know, simple things like their light bulbs changed um, and they couldn't even get that taken care of. Older residents who just, you know, they're disabled and they can't take care of their basic needs and they need help from maintenance and they couldn't even get that, you know, Mm -hmm. just due to COVID and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. transportation issues and there's not a lot of grocery stores around and um, it takes a long time to get to the hospital and we have to go to the emergency room and wait for a long time to, you know, be seen and it was just like issue after issue after issue after issue after issue. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, like, how can I, what can I do? Right. You know? So. Right. No, thank you for sharing that because I do think we need to have more opportunity for um, people, people to express that. Mm -hmm. Right. And and it's not saying that those were bad people Mm -hmm. um, because remember during the pandemic that everybody had challenges. Right. Right. So, so, People would say sometimes during the pandemic, towards the end and even after, that, oh, the pandemic revealed. Well, actually, no. We knew these things mm-hmm. were challenges. It exacerbated it to the right. point that way a lot more people knew about it. Mm-hmm. So you may not have been in that community if COVID hadn't been there. Right. right? Mm-hmm. But those issues were still there. Right. And so um, there was, you know, some unintentional good benefit to COVID mm-hmm. sort of putting a spotlight mm-hmm. on some of those challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it really is important then to say, okay, now that we've identified them, what are we going to do? Right. And that's why we're trying to train more people in this region to focus on public health. Absolutely. So that we have more of those resources in those communities. Absolutely. And one of my favorite aspects about my previous project was the fact that we were addressing that digital divide as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, everybody like that access was, was really gone. People felt lonely. So we were able to pro- provide tablets to our participants. Um, we were able to speak with them that way, do focus groups. Um, also, we had a community advisory board that we met with weekly and it was just fun like they were funny we were able to talk about serious issues but we were also able to talk about light issues like well what movies are you currently watching Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and it, it was it was just great 
You're a natural at it. I'm sure you were awesome. So who was the leader of that project? So um, Dr. Andrew Plunk. Um, he is, I believe, the director of community health research over there in the Department of Pediatrics. So, okay. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. And I believe, because they had a conference related to this recently, yes, right, mm-hmm. at Eastern Virginia Medical yes. School. Yes. So I believe the coordinators of that conference were Dr. Cynthia Burwell here mm-hmm. at Norfolk State, yes, Dr. Plunk, and mm-hmm. then Dr. Um, the Health Services Administration, YAP, mm-hmm. Dr. YAP, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Glenn, yes. Glenn YAP, is yes, that right? Ma'am. Okay, there mm-hmm. we go. Okay, we have them all there. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, again, that's a larger project that they had, yes. and because of funding around COVID, they were able to do some really great community partnership, community-engaged work, mm-hmm. and really bring, you know, bring identify leaders in these communities and talk about what the challenges are and, and hopefully have something that's sustainable and ongoing. Right. And one thing that I do love um, from that project is that, like you said, they, they are utilizing the community members as leaders as well. And I love that. Um, and I was able to see them recently at the conference and it was just like, it felt like a family reunion. I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see y'all. So it's just, it's been great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say they were able to use the community members because part of what we really should be doing is saying in partnership with our community, mm-hmm. this is what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we want to make sure that the community members on the same level mm-hmm. have the same authority, have the same power. Right. Because they're, they're just as important as whoever else might be working with them. Absolutely. To address the issues. Mm-hmm. So we're really working on ensure, helping to ensure that the area knows, you know what I mean, the best practices for community partnership and engagement. That is important. Yes, ma'am. And they said that, so that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they were ready. Yes, we want this to be sustainable, and we want to remain partners. I think that's one of the lessons, some of the feedback and, and outcome, I think, of the conference. I love that. They are bold, and I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So part of the reason that we invited you to be a guest today, and they're so, super excited, is a project that we're working on together. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. So tell me about your current role at EVMS. Okay, so my current role at EVMS is that I am the program specialist at the M. Foscue Brock Institute for Global and Community Health. And I work on the Pathways Project in collaboration with Norfolk State and Dr. Mebbin, also um, with Dr. Bonnie Van Lunen at Old Dominion University, and through EVMS um, at the Brock Institute with Dr. Romero and Matt Herman. Um, Dr. Romero is the director of the Brock Institute, and then Matt Herman is the associate director of the Brock Institute. So that's my current role right now. Yes. And so, again, to give even more context, it's funded through Sentara. Yes, ma'am. And part of the motivation for the project was to help facilitate collaborations. Mm -hmm. So ODU, NSU, and EVMS are building the ODU, NSU, EVMS School of Public Health. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of the motivations for that is to facilitate these kinds of engagements. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit about the collaborative, because the project really came out of the collaborative that existed before. Yes, ma'am. So we have a substance use disorder and pregnant and parenting women collaborative. So we meet monthly with external and internal partners. So that includes Dr. Mebbin and Dr. Van Lunen. And we have right now over 50 community organizations that we're partnering with. So these community organizations include managed care organizations, clinicians, other nonprofits, faith-based organizations, you name it, we have them in there. If we don't have them in there, we are going to make sure that they are a part of our collaborative. So um, we're discussing topics, again, 
related to substance use disorder and pregnant and parenting people? Who who do we need to bring at the table or bring to the table? And um, how can we address these issues? So that's right. collaborative. And so the collaborative had met for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then the funding opportunity came along. So the collaborative mm-hmm. said, hey, let's create a project yes. that will help us to focus on health equity, developing mm-hmm. integrated pathways, yes, ma'am. Um, and also, again, focusing on community engagement, mm-hmm. just really trying to take to the next level the mm-hmm. support for these people. Yes, ma'am. These people who are who have substance use issues. I'm going to say these people, but, you know, people who have substance use issues and yes, are ma'am. parenting. Mm-hmm. And so, again, just to emphasize, it's really not about the three PIs. It mm-hmm. really, I mean, it's amazing. We have these meetings and there are 60 people and everybody is so passionate and engaged. And that's really what it's going to take to help this population of people. Yes, ma'am. So what specifically are you doing for the project? Oh, so <laughs> I'm doing a little bit of everything, but I my role is mostly to engage our partners and just make sure that their needs are met. And then also uh, engaging eventually with the participants that will be enrolling into the project. So, again, just that care coordination aspect, being the manager of the managers. Um, so that's kind of what my final role will be. So right now it's just about bringing everyone to the table. That's what I'm currently doing right now. And just making sure, like you say, that we stay engaged, we stay on topic because things can go left as we know. Um, So that's kind of my role for right now. Yes, ma'am. That's great. So this isn't something that you might anticipate me asking, but like, what's your big plan? What's your, like, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? (sighs) I had to say world because I know you're global. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, this might sound like a uh, like a president type of uh, answer, go but ahead. go for it. I would. I mean, universal health care for everybody. Like you get universal health care, you get you universal. Get. <laughs> like I would love to do that. Like ultimately, but I just know that that's not realistic. Um, but. No, I would no, 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 well, no, okay, no. Okay, we okay. can have aspirations, okay. and always this is what I am. This is what I'm here to do to mm-hmm. help the world, to help people, to have the care that they need. Mm-hmm. You don't know. You could be governor. You could be health department of health and human services secretary mm-hmm. at the state level or mm-hmm. the national level. You, you could do that. That's a really great, I think, aspiration. Something to strive for mm-hmm. in whatever you're doing. Thanks, Dr. Mevin. You're welcome. <laughs> but Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I think what my biggest thing is, is how do I stay on the front line, but also bridge in the, the logistics? So mm-hmm. what I mentioned earlier was that there is a disconnect I see between, you know, like, so for example, like you have lawmakers and then you have law abiding citizens, right? Mm-hmm. So you have people making laws, but they're not taking into consideration the everyday people, right? So how do we bridge that together to make sure that, like you said earlier, we're partnering with the community to ensure that they're getting their needs met. Mm-hmm. That's really what I would love to do in every aspect. How can we apply this to every single program, mm-hmm. whether it's school, whether it's public health, in any way, how can we do that? That's my thought process all the time. Right. And mm-hmm. again, I'm going to flip it around just a little. How mm-hmm. can we empower them to ensure that they're meeting their own needs as well? Yes, ma'am. We don't mm-hmm. have to help them, right? Mm-hmm. It's not them. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's how do we ensure that 
that every community has the resources that it needs so mm-hmm. that its community members can thrive. Right. And be so sustainable. Mm-hmm. Period. Yes, right. That's where that's that's the big ideal. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have to work with us. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> right. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> that would be ideal. And I think part of that is what we're doing right here mm-hmm. today. So I'm hoping somebody out there will be listening and be inspired by you and would understand that there are all kinds of opportunities out there to mm-hmm. do this, right? Yes, to ma'am. sort of say, how do I want to fix the world? Or mm-hmm. how do I want to fix my community? And then let me figure out, you know, where do I go to take advantage of those opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. So here we are. Didn't that go by fast? It did. We're yep. done. <laughs> We're almost done. Almost done. Okay. So do you have any last messages you want to share with the community or anybody you want to thank or any shout outs? Well, I definitely want to thank you, Dr. Mevin, for having me here and Dina as well. And just to my team, um, just for supporting me and uplifting me. Um, it's just been it's so fun working with the Brock and it's so fun to to you know, being guided by yourself and the the collab members as well. Um, and yeah, so throughout the collab, we'll be doing um, different events with our community um, members and also with our partners. So, you know, please come out. If you have any questions for us, you can email us at tpp at evms.edu. If you have any questions related to the project, if you would love to join the collaborative um, and just, you know, how can you be involved? You can just email us. So perfect yes, ma'am. and I want to thank you as well I am inspired by your enthusiasm oh, and your background you. and training and I have appreciated working with you and continuing to Thanks, work with Dr. you so Madden. thank you so much I also want to thank Dina Ms. Mm-hmm. Lattimore who is here um, as part of the CPHI team focusing on communications and finally always want to thank all of you who are listening again I am Dr. Felicia Mebbin executive director of the Center for Public Health Initiatives here at Norfolk State University and this is Health Healing and Hampton Roads.